Being a mother is an attitude, not biology. An unknown writer once said, if you give me any three words, I'll write you a story about my mother. Story is in our DNA, and of course, so is she. We gathered stories from men and women in all walks of life. Stories about the ones we have, the ones we are, the ones we know. This includes stories about stepmothers, godmothers, grandmothers, birth moms, foster moms, the mom up the street. It includes stories about not being a mom and stories about mothering in other ways. No matter how you slice it, if it's not one thing, it's your mother. Hi everybody, I'm Lupe Padilla Mitchell. I'm a life coach of mothers and families and a mother of three adult daughters. I'm Katie Mitchell, actress, writer, storyteller, and mom of a teenage son. I can do it myself. The way he entered into the world was a perfect match for the mother he was born to. She knew that faith, self-respect, respect of others, and taking personal responsibility was key to becoming fully who you were intended to be. Our guest today is Clay Rivers. He's an actor and art director turned author. He's written several books and is now also the founder and editor-in-chief of Our Human Family, an online publication on Medium.com. Today's story is about how the death of Princess Diana reinforced the gratitude he had for his own mother. Okay, so let's start the show. Hi, Clay. Welcome to the show. Howdy, howdy. It's so nice to have you here. It's wonderful to be had. (laughs) (laughs) So are you here in Los Angeles or where are you? No, I'm in Orlando, Florida, but um, I have strong ties to LA. I used to live there. I lived there um, between what, uh, 95 and 2004. Oh, wow. Yeah. How about if you set the piece up for our audience right now, Clay, and then um, you'll read it and then we'll chat. Okay, great. What I'm going to read for you today is an excerpt from uh, Walking Tall a memoir about the upside of small and other stuff. And it's, uh, well, a memoir. (laughs) Excellent. So, let's see. Chapter 10. The news of Princess Diana's death hit me like a brick in the face. I remember exactly where I was when I heard the news that Princess Diana died in a parish car crash. I was in my tiny Studio City apartment watching late-night TV. I found it ironic that the most photographed woman in history who shared the same name with the Roman goddess of the hunt was herself hunted. Thanks to the years I spent performing as Donald Duck, I experienced an unrelenting celebrity of sorts and understood what it was like to be a sitting duck for the onslaught of people demanding photographs and autographs. But my experience with celebrity differed significantly from Princess Diana's, and that with my celebrity, I could leave that public persona hanging on a rack at the end of the shift. Diana and I were born in the same year, which made us roughly the same age. With her sudden death, I, for the first time in my life, gave thought to my own mortality. How had I impacted my family, friends, and those I came in contact with on a regular basis? Had I inspired them? Had I been a source of emotional support to them in their time of need? Or had I been as cumbersome to deal with as a boat anchor in the Sahara under the noonday sun? What legacy would I leave behind? I joined billions around the world and and watched the live broadcast of the funeral in the pre-dawn hours of September 6th. The royals never intrigued me, nor did Diana hold any particular fascination for me. 
But there in the solace of my darkened apartment, I was curled up on the sofa in front of my TV, weeping for a woman I did not know. I wept for Princes Harry and William, having their mother taken away from them at such early ages. Future acts of consolation, encouragement, hugs, and moments when no words need be spoken, all lost forever. I visited London once and toured St. Paul's Cathedral in Westminster Abbey. Otherwise, I had no real reason to be as riveted as I was to the funeral. I thought about my relationship with my own mother and how different my life would have been if she had been taken away from me at either of the prince's ages. What would I be like without the countless lessons she lived by example? My mother and I had always been close, but I'd like to think that thanks to my sense of independence, no one could say that I was a mama's boy. My mother worked as a teacher in the Orange County public school system for 38 years. The first 10 years of her career, she shaped fifth grade minds, then became an elementary school reading specialist for the following 12 years, and moved to the fourth grade classroom, where she remained until she retired. She had a passion for teaching, which was no surprise to anyone who knew her. When she did anything, she did it well, a trait belonging to both of my parents. America has never given educators the recognition they deserve. My mother used to say, anyone who knows how to do anything learned it from a teacher, an observation with which I agree. I'm aware of the impact a teacher can have on a child's life because countless witnesses all over Orlando bring it to my attention more times than I can recall. I can't go to the grocery store, the gas station, the movies, the mall, anywhere without the following exchange taking place. Excuse me, but you're Mrs. River's son, aren't you? Someone several years my senior asks. Uh, yes. I'm so familiar with the conversation that I can recite my lines from memory, as well as those of the other person right along with them. She was my favorite teacher. How is Mrs. Rivers? They'd ask, holding their breath in anticipation. She's doing fine. Is she still teaching? My response for a while was, yes, she is. Then it became, no, she's retired now. In either case, I know to issue the following prompt without a cue. Which year were you in her class? They proudly tell me the year my mother taught them and recount a humorous anecdote that bears the earmarks of my mother. And without fail, they all in their stroll down memory lane with the phrase, She probably won't remember me, but please tell her so-and-so said hello. I certainly will. I tell them and watch the former student continue on their way as if they've received an A-plus in social interaction from my mother. The encounters never inconvenienced or embarrassed me. They instill a sense of pride that my mother had such a positive effect on so many people. I felt as if I had vicariously experienced some of my mother's glory, and that always gave me reason to smile. And when I dutifully tell her of the hello and the student's name, she too remembers and has an anecdote to tell about the former student that brings the transaction full circle. One time, I asked my mother what she sought to impart to her students over the years. Without missing a beat, she told me, respect. Self-respect, respect for others, respect for the law, and responsibility for themselves and their actions. What better lessons for anyone to carry throughout life? I wept through Diana's funeral procession 
and the service. I couldn't help but notice the stoic and brave faces Charles, William, and Harry wore for all the world to see as they walked the streets of London. There was no way I could muster their fortitude, even though I was the undisputed master of the game face. I would be too distraught, too emotionally wrung out to keep a stiff upper lip under those circumstances. I fell apart at my father's burial, and our relationship had been strained at best. It wasn't until I moved out of my parents' house and got a place of my own and juggled the responsibilities of being an adult and taking care of myself that it really hit me. My parents just might have had more than a clue as to what they were doing. Working eight hours a day, coming home to take care of three kids, doing homework, the laundry, carting us to the doctor when we got sick, helping with homework, the involvement in after-school activities, making sure we had clothes on our backs, cooking meals for us, and all the other stuff my parents did quite well boggled my mind. The issue of parenting danced in my head off and on in the past. But it was while I was watching Diana's funeral procession that I decided once and for all that parenting was not for me. I was too selfish, too self-absorbed. I saw what the demands of parenting did to friends and family. The late nights, the not being able to go and do what they wanted to do when they wanted the having to put someone else's needs in front of their own. Ech. Regardless of whatever shortcomings, real or imagined, my parents may have had, I knew, irrefutably, that they did a good job. I also knew that I wouldn't be able to hold a candle to their efforts. I watched Diana's cortege wind through London as tens of thousands of people gathered in Hyde Park to watch the broadcast, and the thousands more who lined the streets to pay their respects. Their grief as a whole would not compare to the anguish I would have felt if my mother had been taken from me decades ago. Later that day, I called my mother and told her how much I loved her. It wasn't that I sensed some impending doom on the horizon. I tell my mother often that I love her, via cards, gifts, and on occasion I speak the words. So I know there's no doubt in her mind that I love her a great deal but I had to say it again. That's beautiful, Clay. Thank you. Yay. <laughs> so many thoughts while you were reading that. Just yeah. When you speak of legacy, you know, at a certain point in our lives, I mean, and everybody really should think about what are we doing here? Um, and that legacy and t- and take that into consideration, you know, am I just taking up space or, Am I making other people's road a little easier? What do I do? What do? How do I impact others? And the Princess Di piece, I wasn't a big follower of the royals or anything, but I do remember, I do remember how distraught people were. I know exactly where I was. I still remember it. And it's, it's interesting because just what, last week um, at Nipsey Hussle here in Los Angeles, I knew nothing of him, nothing of him. I live in LA, born and raised here. And when you see his impact in his community, I've never seen that kind of outpouring from the Los Angeles community. And it was all because he left behind a legacy. And I, I, I just love that his marathon continues. So what did you come to about your legacy? What are you leaving? What am I leaving? Well, I hope that I'm helping people to see beyond their circumstances, mm. beyond whatever trial or, you know, 
tribulation or challenge or whatever it is that they're dealing with to know that, you know, this too will pass. You're, you're going to get through it and that the people have an impact no matter where they are. It doesn't have to be something huge and spectacular. Everybody has an impact right there within their sphere of influence, right where they stand. No question. Every single person we touch, if it's in the line at the grocery store and you're kind or not kind to the person behind you, exactly, you're right. But I want to jump in here because you're you're doing this by example, right? In your own life? I hope so. <laughs> I hope but, I mean, so. You know, how we all <laughs> handle our own challenges shows uh, the next person who's struggling with theirs. What I'm basically trying to say is, the impact we have is done so often through modeling and our behavior and not telling people, you know, you can face your challenges. So my question then becomes, what challenges have you faced that you feel that you are um, having an impact by showing people? Funny you should ask that. In other words, our audience doesn't know much about you. We do because we've, read you know, read up you on and you and met you. Yeah. and yeah. Well, let's see. Um I am black, first of all, so that for me is not a challenge. It's a challenge for for other people, you mm-hmm. know, and how they react to that, you know. Um, and mm-hmm. I'm also a little person. I'm 48 inches tall, and that in and of itself, you know, that's a whole nother layer of perception and misperception and, mm-hmm. and and all that sort of stuff mm-hmm. with just those two with just those two elements i mean people would say oh my gosh and i've had people say this oh you've got two strikes against you and i'm like well Jeez. that's really a horrible thing to say just because you don't know how to you know, right. navigate right? that right doesn't mean that i can't turn that inside out right and turn both those things into an advantage. Right. So I got those things going for me. And as someone who's gay, right. add that to the mix, and Christian, right? you know, that's, you think that's tricky to say, you should try living that. But I think I've been um, granted the grace to embrace all those things, mm-hmm. all those elements of myself. And and make them work for me. Mm-hmm. And I think, I mean, people say, oh my God, you're, you're wonderful, la, la, la. And I'm like, well, no, I'm just, I'm living my life. Right. Just like, just like you, you know? Right. So every, everybody's got challenges. It just so happens that my challenges tend to be right out there for the world. Exactly. <laughs> right. There are people who are, who are bona fide jerks and boneheads who have no clue you know? Mm-hmm. And so they got to lug that around. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But, uh, you know, I mean, I was thinking about mine as you were speaking. I was like, yeah, that's right. We all have our things and you chose to come into this world, like waving yours, like a flag. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, if that is true that we choose sort of our path and I kind of think we do, you know? Well, I, you know, I, I don't know, but, um, my, Aunts and uncles and family members who've known me since I was born, you know, like to say that you were always independent. You always wanted to do things mm-hmm. for yourself, and and that and that trait, I guess, has still it's still a part of who I am. 
you know, no, don't do it. I'll do it. I'll do it myself. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. So, well, and it seems like you had uh, the perfect parents. You had the perfect mom for that. Um, that whole, you know, respect self, you know, so from being able to, she taught you and to be responsible to yourself and be responsible for yourself. So already, no matter what, no matter how you entered into this world by being given a mother like that, you already had a leg up on what a lot of other people are given. I will be certain to pass that on because uh, this Sunday, my mom turns 86 years old. Aww. Happy yeah. birthday, Mrs. Rivers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the other thing I, I wanted to talk about also is your mom and and how she mothered so many people and that people come up to you on the street for all these years. I, I My mom was a teacher also, and I, I remember people, she had a huge impact on people's lives too. And when I was little, I was... I was kind of thrown by it, you know, because my mom was not your mom. And so at home, she was not the same way she was in the classroom. Part of her legacy, part of her gift was being able to really give to those kids at her school. I mean, she impacted their lives positively in ways that I have a friend who's 61 still talks about because she had my mom as a teacher still talks about what my mom meant to her. Right. Um, and but yet my mom was not teaching us those same lessons at home. It was more for the outside world. It was easier for my mom, I think, to mother those children for whatever reason, you know. So we're not going to go into my mom on this show <laughs> in any more depth. That that's my struggle. That's my my mother was my challenge, but what? <laughs> but I was so moved because. Um, I think it's a really special gift to have that legacy to teachers who make that kind of impact on people and, and you get to, to witness that she did make a difference. I think part of the thing is my mom really, she genuinely loves kids. Mm. I don't, I don't, I don't get kids. I don't enjoy <laughs> being around them. They got that. too much energy. They can cut through, you know, any sort of pretense, you know, yeah. and they, they can see through that. And, um, and she, but she loves them. And, and your mom thrived on that and the way people thrive on being on stage or could never imagine being on stage or the way people, you know, thrive at, at adding numbers. That's their thing. And it's like, that's not my thing. And, you know, your mom didn't, sounds like she totally thrived on that energy of kids. I think so. But you know what? The, the beautiful thing is, is she still teaching? And um, I mean, not, not formally. I mean, she works with with her grandchildren and her great grandchildren, mm-hmm. but still, just in her in her dealings with people, you know how how good teachers carry themselves. They have that yes that air of authority. They walk into a room and there's just like this presence. Yes, you know mm-hmm. that's that's who she is, and you respect them immediately, and yet you also can't wait. For that class, you know. Or for that approval. Like, yeah. you, you know when you did well. Yeah. You know, you, right. you know yeah. when you came through. Yeah. So, faith. How does faith work into this legacy? And how did how did your mom pass down having a faith in yourself and a faith that you were on your path? Um, I think it's, it's something that, well, I was raised in a Christian home. Um, and my 
grandparents, you know, had that faith. Um, but I would have to say for my mom, because, you know, she was here, you know, raising us, you know, seven days a week. My father was a traveling salesman or area mm. manager for Anheuser-Busch. So he was like gone Monday through Friday. He'd leave on Monday. He'd come back on Friday and we'd just see him on the weekends, mm -hmm. you know, so he's out making a living. But I would say my mom's faith is something that was uh, handed down to her. Not even so much handed down, but it's something her mom lived mm -hmm. is palpable, mm -hmm. you know? And so if, when you see that kind of faith, you know, not, I shouldn't, uh, on display and, and at work in someone's life, it kind of rubs off. Um, of course. and that rubbed, that was with me, I think through, you know, till I went to college, then I put my faith in a box, you know, decided, oh, I'm going to, I've had enough of that. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do it on my own, yeah, you know? That's what you do. And then, and then a few years later, I um, decided, you know what? I think <laughs> I might need to get back <laughs> to this. <laughs> and, and then I got to test my faith for myself. You know, that's when it became my own because I'm out living in the world. I'm having to make my own decisions, you know, and like I said in the excerpt, when you're making those decisions, all those decisions on your own and there's no guardrails, you know, becomes, um, it's easy to fall back on, or at least it was for me to fall back on those, those habits and precepts and, and all that stuff that I had been raised with. And that's when it really became important. And when there's, in, in my book, Walking Tall, I, I go in depth on a whole bunch of, you know, personal challenges and stuff. And that kind of keeps me centered. It keeps me tethered. Mm. Doesn't make me perfect at all. Because believe me, I've had some royal screw-ups <laughs> that I will not talk to you about. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> but, but um, you know, it's it, it just kind of keeps me from going completely over the ledge, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Does that make any sense Ex at all? It perfect sense. Perfect sense. I, um, I taught a religious education, um, uh, Catholic catechism. Um, and, and I worked with teens. So that's, my goal was only to, I, I would, I would start the first day of class and I would say, this is, you're going to love this class because this is, this class is only about you. So this is about you and your faith and your walk with God. And that's all we're going to explore. That's it. That's how you're going to do this. And I would tell parents and other catechists who might say that the kids are being forced to be here or whatever it was, that my job was just to give them an anchor. Their parents had already began. My job once a week was just to give them a little more of an anchor so that when they walk away from their faith, they're not going to go to church. They're going to go on their own journey. But one day, one day they're going to need it. And if they have all these nuggets of faith in their pocket to call upon, um, it, it, it can help tether them, like you said, um, when the world starts getting rough. And that's all, that's yeah. how, that's the only way when I taught religious ed, that's exactly was my intention. I think um, I'm, I'm writing on Medium now, and I'm, I'm talking about race relations. And so I 
never thought I'd be talking about that hmm. ever. And, um, and, you know, out quote unquote in the world, you know, there are plenty of people who have all sorts of, you know, faith beliefs and some people have no beliefs. Mm-hmm. And my journey of faith hasn't been necessarily, you know, a neat little journey down a, a well manicured path. You know, mm-hmm. I've, um, you know, I've been in different denominations and, and non-denominations, but it's always been kind of a Christian, it's always been a Christian based faith. But the one thing I've, I've kind of learned is that you got to respect other people. You know, you have to respect them for their beliefs. They may not necessarily agree with yours or they may be diametrically opposed to what you believe, but the the key for me is to love one another, mm-hmm. you know, and allow and, each other to be right. And and it really is about just love is a choice, you know. Mm-hmm. It's it's about giving people the room to to be themselves, just like I want the space to be myself, right. you know, right. Which really comes to do unto others. Um. I'd be remiss if, you know, I didn't ask this next question and it seems to follow perfectly with faith and the other thing we were just talking about. Um, let's talk about Donald Duck. So how long? Okay. I just thought I'd, you know, take us back to something light. Sure. Sure. How did that come to be? And how long did you, how long were you um, Donald Duck? Oh my God! Let's see. I did that. I was, I was Donald Duck's friend <laughs> for about eleven, eleven or twelve years, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. And I fell into that. You talk about faith mm-hmm. and and divine intervention mm-hmm. and all that. I I went there to uh, apply to Disney, which is like twenty minutes from where I live. And I went in to apply for a job. I was in college at the time. And I thought, oh, great. I'm going to go in. I'm going to get a marketing job. <laughs> yeah. So I go in, right? And I have my interview. And and I'm with the interviewer. And he's like, you know, hey, how's it going? Da, da, da. We're doing all this talking. He wants to know, you know, what are you what are your interest in marketing? And he says, oh, I see on your resume here that you've got a, a little theater background. I'm like, well, yeah. And so I watch him, like, pull up the, you know, get on the phone. <laughs> And I'm thinking, this guy is going to hook me up. He is going to so hook me up. I'm going to have a corner office for Christmas, you know. <laughs> that was not the case, you know. So he gives me this piece of paper and he sends me over. And like in 15 minutes, I am I'm doing a little dance routine <laughs> and a Donald Duck costume, wondering what in the world just happened. I've just like been bamboozled into this, this thing. Right. And so I'm, I hated it. I hated it. And before I even, cause I'm, I'm in college, I'm thinking what respectable college student is going to go do character work. Right. Well, I get out of there just as soon as I can, I get home and Disney had already called me in. And I called them back and they made me an offer. Mm. So <laughs> I started, you know, I started that. I did that for a couple, let's see, for that Christmas, uh, the following summer, and then decided that I wanted to take a couple years off from college wow. and did it 
full time. Wow. That's incredible. And and it turned out to be the best thing to ever right? happen. Right? Oh my gosh. That is so interesting. Because it got me it got me out of out of myself. It got me to be less self-conscious. Mm. It got me to stop wearing a mask in real life and to really to to open up and be myself <sighs> and embrace myself. Wow. And Donald Duck was the perfect character for that because he is Donald Duck isn't just some, you know, nice mealy mouse <laughs> character. <laughs> Donald Duck is known for his range of emotion <laughs> and his temper and all that stuff. And so I got to bring that wow. you know, I got to bring that down to my performances and in meet and greets and whatnot. And it really helped me to get in touch with who I am in the full range of my own emotions. I'm so moved by that. And I'm so, I don't know what, you know, what made me make sure we asked that question, but I'm so glad I did. Too. Because those that those are the moments in life, those odd things that fall in your lap that you on impulse would be like, no, right? <laughs> what? Don't what think so. Happened? That are the biggest I gifts. Ha- I hated yeah. it. I hated it. I was like, wait, I'm basically all I'm doing is changing clothes all day. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm sweating. I go, like, yes. Ugh. And then you realize, oh, this is the gift of my lifetime. Wow. Yeah. You know, well, it's a, so far. Of, it's it's one of those like uh, we make plans like you were going in for a marketing job and God laughs. Mm-hmm. And he goes, okay, this is, you know, God was like, hand him the suit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, we're not, we're not, we're not doing that. That's not really why you're yeah, here. That's, that's not what he needs right now. <laughs> you, yeah. You don't, you don't need marketing. You don't need marketing. You need to get out help. there and shake a few hands, yeah. you know, give a few hugs. It's amazing. I, I love, love that story. Yeah. Wow. And I love it that you can just kind of get out of yourself or you can really step in and accept yourself. That is beautiful. Well, you know, I, I when, from reading the story and reading your bio and seeing all your books on Amazon and reading about them and going to your site, I knew that this was going to be um, a very rounded conversation. And I just want to thank you for that. Yeah, it's been a wonderful oh, episode. Well, thank you very much. This has been uh, this has been a joy. It really is, you know, because I love talking about me. <laughs> Hilarious. And we love meeting interesting people. So this all works. Yeah. All right, Clay. Well, um, thanks again. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. That's our show. Take care. Bye-bye. And to find out more about our writers, go to our website, Instagram, or Twitter. If it's not one thing, it's your mother. And that's the number one, not the word one. Want to do something to help us? Go wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review us. Five stars would be nice. You can say something complimentary because you know what? It really does help other people find our show. And also share us with a friend because word of mouth is the best compliment. Join us next week.